Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. The second end of the Sunshine Double did not disappoint, especially for American tennis fans. The Americans capped off a fitting goodbye to Crandon Park, to say the least, in Key Biscayne, uh, sweeping every event. Sloan and John taking singles, of course, Coco and Australian partner Ash Barty, and then the Bryan brothers. So go check out our top 10 tweets from the Miami Open to get a recap there. Matt Stoiak's uh, breakdown of this year's Easter Bowl and a quick look back on the prominent winners dating back to 2005 are all at the website now at crackedrackets.com. Add that on the favorites on your website browser or on your phone. Ryan Cardiff also has you up to date with all the latest college tennis news heading into the final weeks of the NCAA season. One quick plug, go follow our Twitter and Instagram pages. The handle is, of course, Cracked Rackets. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review the Great Shot Podcast. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have new episodes with that banterous back and forth style you love every week. So go check that out. But on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, three time national champion and world number 367, JC Aragone, joins the podcast to share the raw emotion of winning his first title on the Pro Tour. Reminisces on the UVA dynasty with coach Brian Bolin, qualifying for the main draw of the U.S. Open last year. Also interning at J.P. Morgan in New York City his junior year. His thoughts on the Lakers and LeVar Ball. But before we get to J.C., let's hear from our new sponsor. Alex, I'll be honest, I haven't said it to you much, but I really don't like your fashion off the court. What, you think I wear too many tennis clothes? You know, it's, I mean, yes, but <laughs> it's not that you wear too much tennis clothing, it's just you're not wearing the right type of tennis clothing. What do you mean, there's a specific brand I should be wearing? You clearly haven't heard of the new tennis clothes company called Cross Court Threads. Cross Court Threads, is that going to be something with knitting? No, not exactly, although they do use high-quality material. In fact, they have some pretty unbelievable designs on their website. You're the one who criticizes my clothing, so uh, I'll leave the design choices up to you. What do they got? They've got an awesome Rebel Legend tee with the all-famous Andre Agassi on it, rocking the nice lechuga out the back. Lechuga, oh my god. Oh, let me gosh. tell you, he's got some beautiful flow. They've also got a nice 40 love hat with some beautiful cursive. What about for the truckers out there? Any trucker hats? Oh yeah, they've got a trucker hat. A beautiful logo trucker hat with the cross threads logo on it. And you know, I keep it low key, but sometimes I wear leggings on the courts. Anything for me? They've got some racer leggings that look perfect for that nice round butt of yours. Goes up to XXL? <laughs> that it does. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, Maxie, while my USTA player number may still be active, I consider myself more in the retired phase, more analyst than player. If there is a way for me to be an Instagram ambassador for cross-court threads, you know, maybe flaunt the gear I'm wearing, not necessarily pick the designs. Is there a program for me to do that? You can be a brand ambassador in the brand ambassador program. Look, it's a four-month program, and you seem like the perfect candidate as someone who's a frequent wearer of tennis. I mean, clothes. it sounds like the program for me. Where can I apply? 
You can apply right on their website, crosscourtthreads.com. And check this out. If you subscribe to their email list, you'll get 10% off. It's crosscourtthreads.com. That it is, crosscourtthreads.com. Crosscourtthreads.com. You know what, Alex? I liked that bit the first time, but let me just remind the listeners, it's crosscourtthreads without the dash. Just crosscourtthreads.com. I know what you're getting me for my birthday. Oh, yeah? What is that? Crosscourtthreads.com. Hey, JC, first and foremost, uh, welcome on the Cracked Interviews pod. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, tonight, as you've already heard, we're also joined by my co-host, host of the Great Shot podcast, Alex Kruskin. Pleasure to meet you, JC. Yeah, pleasure. And I'm sure by now, you know, with Ty, Eubanks, those guys, they've told you how this is going to go, but we're excited to have you on and excited to uh, kind of dive into some topics here. Of course, looking forward to it. I mean, the obvious first question is, JC, uh, according to Wikipedia, it stands for Juan Cruz, but you're supposed to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, what's the story behind that? Yeah, so um, I'm from uh, Argentina and uh, moved to the U.S. when I was like eight or nine, and no one could say my name right, so it frustrated me, and people just started calling me JC, so it stuck ever since. How do you say your name? It's uh, Juan Cruz. Uh, that seems pretty simple. Maybe I'm, I don't know, being crazy, but Juan Cruz seems reasonable, but we can go with JC uh, for the sake of the interview. Gone with that forever. So kind of, that's just, I take it as my name now. Awesome. Well, JC, uh, we typically start with the progression of junior college and then get into your pro experience. But as everyone knows by now, you brought home the Calabasas 25K this past weekend. So we'll start there. Coming in as the seventh seed, were you pretty confident coming into the tournament? Um, well, I, I don't know. It was weird because I had a really long trip in Canada. I played a lot of matches. I had two seven, six, and the third wins against guys that were top 200. That took a lot out of me. So originally, I didn't even want to play Calabasas. I was begging my coach to let me go back and train, and he was like, no, you already signed up. Might as well and go and play. And I had begged Mike Lou to play me on Wednesday, and he was like, look, I'm trying to play all the matches Tuesday because it's going to rain Wednesday and Thursday. And I was like, please play me Wednesday. I need all the time off I can take. So he ended up playing 15 matches Tuesday and my own match on Wednesday, so which ended up playing Friday. So I was just trying to buy time at the at the moment and because uh, <clears throat> I was hurting. But once I got going, it, it you know felt like I was steamrolling through guys, and I was feeling good, but those you know, three, four days off were, were key for me. Yeah, and you didn't drop a set, had some great wins against, I think you played all American players actually during that run. The match I want to ask you about, you know, because you're playing your college teammate and doubles partner, Colin Altamirano, in the semifinals. Uh, how do you prepare for a match like that when it's someone you know so well and just how uh, what type of mental struggle that's going to be? Um, yeah, I just think in general, it's always hard to, especially to play a tournament where you play all Americans, just because again, you're playing your peers and it's always easier to play guys you don't know because you got a little bit less pressure and you don't know what to expect. But um, playing Colin, I was actually pretty worried because that's a pretty bad matchup for me. Colin's a guy that, you know, puts every ball in the court and he moves the ball really well side to side and never gives you the same look twice. So I was kind of worried just because 
you know, I play pretty aggressive, and you just never know. Colin doesn't miss at all. So I, I didn't know how that match was going to go, to be honest with you guys. And, I mean, clearly I got off to a good start, and then I just kept it going. But uh, Colin's a guy I respect a lot, and I know exactly how, how hard he fights for every point and how in shape he is. So, you know, I, w- I didn't know exactly how that one was going to go. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, knowing him so well. I just have to know, because Ty mentioned this uh, when we, you know, shameless plug here, but when we interviewed Ty Son Kwiatkowski, teammate of yours, he mentioned Colin had gotten a haircut. And so was that distracting? You know, it's a whole new Colin on the other side of the net. I don't know what Ty's talking about. Colin's hair was longish. (laughs) Maybe the tournament ends the tie, but Colin had the same ponytail and fun whatever he got rocking that he's rocked for the last year. So, I mean, it's just as intimidating with or without hair, but Colin prides himself on his hair. Actually. I always, I mean, he, he's got a good looking head of hair. So I don't ever see, you know, you heard the Andre Agassi kind of losing his hair, doing that thing. You know, I just don't see that with Colin. Plus he has so much testosterone in his body. He probably has enough <laughs> hair for all three of us. He's like Samson from the Bible. Some would say. <laughs> a Bible yeah, reference. Colin, Colin's got a lot of kids. Oh my gosh! And uh, I have well, to, one more quick follow-up because you mentioned how exhausting your uh, Canada run was, and you know there's a YouTube video going around, and I'll set the scene for us. It's the Drummondville Challenger quarterfinal. You know, you mentioned how many tournaments in Canada you've played in a row, and you you're playing a guy named Benjamin Bonzi. Bonzi. Bonzi, I think. Bonzi. I don't know. And, you're down six seven six two four zero love thirty. What happens next? Well, I you know that's not even what to talk about. I was up seven six two one break point, and the guy hit a ball out, and the umpire gave it to him, and the guy starts laughing, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he like decides to start tanking by hitting winners left and right, <laughs> and I was just like, "Is this serious right now? I should be up three one serving. Now I'm down six two. I mean, the guy broke me with a with his string broken. He played a whole point after the return with, uh, and he won. Like the guy, it was, I don't know what was going on. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm over this match. Like you play. And actually the ball girl had more of a chance than I did. I mean, he <laughs> broke me with three clean return winners off first serve. And I think one second serve. I mean, she had more of a chance than I did at that point. That's the definition <laughs> of a tree right there. That's just out of your mind. So you say you play, obviously, if our listeners haven't seen this, go check out. It's I think the clip is JC Aragoni, let's ball girl play, and you'll find it. But so you literally just handed her the racket and you said to the line judge, like, hey, this point counts. She was really excited. She was ready to go. I mean, she didn't even have to tie her shoes again. She was like, sure, I'll play. Okay, go for it. I mean, the umpire knew at that point that it couldn't get any worse. That's hilarious. Well, go check out that clip. It sounds like that's one for the ages right there. But Yeah, I was getting messages like, why Why isn't that umpire suspended? Are you going to try to get him suspended? I was like, for what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the rule is, but the, the ball girl, I mean, well, I, I didn't think it was a big deal. People were like kind of ripping it. You made her life. That's what you did right there. That's for sure. But taking us back to this past this past weekend, heading into the final, you probably thought, you know, being from California – that you were going to have a hometown crowd there. You get in and Marcos has a crowd of 150 plus getting pretty rowdy. How was the environment walking in and then throughout that match? I mean, I was pretty confused through like a set and a half because I was playing 
pretty outrageous tennis to go up 6-2. And I don't think there was, like, besides my brother who was getting, like, at first he was, you know, cheering normally. But by the end he was starting to yell because he was getting pissed. But, I mean, I didn't hear a, a single clap going anything. I was hitting, like, forehands Mach 30, and it was just like somebody's funeral. And I was in shock because I would hit a double fault, and the crowd would go absolutely nuts. And I just didn't understand what was going on. Plus, the, the, there was one fan who, whenever I question a ball, he would just yell, it was in, or it was out. And I was like, who are you right now? And it was just the most kind of ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. Oh, that's Even so in the middle of that game, like, I had six match points, and every point, everybody would be like, stay in it, come on, Marcos, take it to him. And I was like, take it to him? I think the guy's taking it right now. <laughs> You're like, dude, I'm from your Belinda. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Plus, he lives in Thousand Oaks. I know that's like a good 40 minutes away with traffic. Without traffic, sorry. With traffic, it'd be two hours. I don't know, local hometown hero. Oh, you should have turned around and said, dude, take your harmless harvest water. Just like, calm down, and we got this. Look, harmless harvest takes care of me, so I can't say anything bad about harmless harvest. <laughs> we we got to plug harmless har- harvest in. It sounds like they've got a good product. They got a great product. Hey, well, shout, shout out to them. Shout out to them. I was going to say, was, was the crowd better or worse than playing at Baylor sophomore year? Oh, I don't know. Baylor's pretty annoying. <laughs> Baylor Baylor's won for the, the books for sure. They got the most annoying fans, I think, ever. But, yeah, this this was this, they would give them a run for their money for sure. You know, I'm proud of, you know, not to congratulate ourselves, but Dalton and I made it about six questions without asking you about your health and, you know, your history with that. And, you know, not to be rude to the USDA, but I think you did an interview with them after you qualified for the U.S. Open. And the guy's question was, you know, J.C. Aragoni, five years ago, you were in a coma this year, main draw of the U.S. Open. What does this mean to you? And that's just a terrible question. Like, that's what a jump that is. And so... You know, trying well, to what this means is they all they all start changing the story a little bit. It starts with a coma, then it starts with uh, died and came back to life. Then it starts with like you know they they start everything. They take it a step too far. Like I have an insulin pump, and they're like, "Yep, shown into his body, like inside, <laughs> like everything is just taken, you know, a little bit farther each time." And I can now they ask me on TV, and what am I supposed to say? I just go with it. Sure, you know what? I have an insulin pump inside my body somewhere down there, like. So then give us the unfiltered side of the story. What really happened? Did you die? Are you a ghost? Is this Game of Thrones? Are you Jon Snow? Like, what's Winter the is coming. <laughs> I mean, I was sick. I was taken to the hospital where I guess my body was in so much pain. It was in like an induced coma where I basically slept for a good week. I don't remember any of it. I remember waking up and, you know, having to go immediately to the bathroom because obviously I haven't used the bathroom in about a week. Um, and then, yeah, you know, from there, that was just kind of an uphill battle of, okay, now you have kidney failure, you got liver failure, you got a, you know, you know, all these different problems that I kind of had to deal with. So I was in the hospital for a good three, four months. Just, you know, I was on, I was on dialysis for a while. I couldn't really, I was on a no salt diet for about three months because obviously my kidneys were, or my liver and the kidneys weren't working. So, I don't know if you guys like salt, but when they take salt away from you for that long, it, it's pretty depressing. I mean, it was just a long kind of process. And then I was out of tennis for about a good year and a half. I think I was able to play my last year at Kalamazoo was my first tournament back after I think playing for like two months. I mean, it was a point where I was on so many different 
drugs. I was on like corticosteroids. So my face got so fat, people wouldn't recognize me. I mean, I would go up to people and be like, they, they had no, like people had known my whole life. USDA people, I went to the Carson tournament to hang out with like Luca and Ty and, you know, kind of my new teammates and old uh, junior players that I knew. And people would like, would not. I remember Taylor Townsend did not know who I was when I went to try to talk to her. And I was like, Jamie, right now? Was that 2012, JC? Uh, that was, yeah, I think so. That was like a year and a half before I went into college. So, um, yeah, and it, it went from like 16, so I was like 17 and a half, 18. So I was pretty lucky that Brian took a chance on me because he knew the state I was in. I mean, I was like I, I remember going to UCLA for a recruiting trip, and Billy Martin was like, he didn't even know my results, anything. I was like, yeah, I know I've been out of it for about a year, but, you know. So I'm actually looking at your USTA voice profile right now, and I have to say you bleached your hair blonde, I think, for your last year, and it's a, it's an interesting look. But I think that Kalamazoo, you played the 2011 Kalamazoo and made the semifinal and lost to Luca. Yeah. Yeah, and so that, yeah, that's a heck of a result. But so I guess my counterpoint to your health, if you, you know, didn't listen to all of that, the summary is you are Bane. The things you're pumping into your skin is, you know, whatever superhuman serum, and that's how you're getting all these W's down. Let's let's write that down. <laughs> publish that article. So, JC, you you come back, uh, you know, from a pretty challenging point in in your life. Talk about the recruiting process. You said Brian took a chance on you. Where else were you looking outside of UVA? You said you visited UCLA. Were you looking anywhere else at the time? I mean, my parents wanted me to stay in Southern California. They wanted me. I was looking at UCLA, USC, Pepperdine, uh, San Diego, those local schools. Um, but, again, after everything that happened, I wanted to leave California and kind of do my own life. I mean, as you can imagine, after a near-death experience, your parents are hounding you like crazy. And so it just, again, I kind of wanted to do my own thing and, as much as my parents wanted me to go to UCLA, that wasn't even really an option to me. And then Brian, you know, I, I was, I went on my, I went on my recruiting trip and Brian knew that I wanted to go from day one, but um, he needed to convince my parents. So he flew down to California for a day or two and, you know, he put on his salesman shoes. And as you guys know, he went to work, which is probably fail proof for Brian, but. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, you know, I'm also, you know, I graduated high school class of 2013. So shouts to us. But, you know, thinking of recruiting classes, that class of you, Luca, Ty, Jordan Daigle, that was the class. And it's probably why the best schools didn't look at me because they're going after you guys. Um, and so just was that something you guys had talked about before or was that just a spontaneous thing where you guys all thought Virginia fit? No, we uh, actually, me, Luca, and Ty all showed up to a recruiting trip together, and uh, we had no idea we were all taking the same official visit. We were like, what is going on? I had no idea Luca and Ty were going to be there. Um, I was kind of surprised, I guess, but they did it all on the same weekend. So, I mean, yeah, it was a little competitive, obviously, because you have two other guys on your official visit that you think, oh, shoot, like, am I even going to have a spot on this team? But... You know, like things go, everything worked out and clearly worked out for the best. Yeah, de definitely. But, you know, going into an environment like that, you mentioned the competition. So you joined your first year. And what were you expecting from the team? I don't even quite know, man. Like, I remember practicing. I was just happy to be there. For me, everything was kind of a new experience. The school, the, you know, the nightlife, the classroom, the, the just being in a team. Everything was just so new to me that... I kind of, you know, 
I was just happy to be there. Obviously, once fall went by quick, and then once the spring hit, you obviously want to be on the court. I mean, as much as as much fun as it is cheering from the outside, you want to play. But I was injured for a little bit, so it actually, you know, now I appreciate the guys that are on the bench a lot more because I realize, you know, just how different it is from the outside and how big of an impact you can make, even though people don't really give a lot of respect to the guys on the bench. So that kind of changed my perspective a little bit when I started playing, for sure. How was the, I mean, obviously you go on to go undefeated in ACC play. How was the transition just as a student athlete overall? You've talked about the athletic side. What about academics and just being on campus? Well, it was terrible. The transition is horrendous. <laughs> I mean, I would, I remember, I mean, shout out to Adam Brooks, the worst advisor ever my first year. He decided to put me in biogenetics. He thought I was smart for some reason. Um, <laughs> And me, and, me and Luca were there, and I just remember our first exam. We, I think I got like a 42, and he got a 45. And the professor, and actually, we didn't even take it together. We took it on our own, and we both still did that bad. People are always like, oh, did you guys just both, you know, hang together? And we're like, no, we legit took this exam and did that bad. Thing is, the professor put the, 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 the graph on the board and was like, well, this is how many people got 80s, and this is how many people got 70s. I remember there was like 30 people with 80s, and you know, 10 people with A's, and then there was just two guys with a 45 and a 42, and he was just like, whoever that is, like, better come see me. And it was just, a, I mean, it was a def- it was definitely an uphill battle. I mean, I finished my first year with, like, a 2-5, like, terrible, terrible. And then ever since then, I, I mean, I, I graduated with a 3-5. I definitely stepped it up and kind of got it together, but my first semester was, was really hard. Didn't you finish your senior season all ACC academic team? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I had a one semester I finished like a 3-9. I, I was doing really well at one point in school. Yeah, I mean, it, that was, again, the failing at first definitely helped me realize that, you know, that's not how, how I wanted to go about it. And, you know, again, I hate to keep giving shameless plugs to the Tide Pod, but he talks about that off-court transition to college. And, you know, he said he had a lot of fun his first semester freshman year. And, you know, I'm no private investigator, but 2.5 GPA plus college, I I can put one plus one together. You know, how was the off-court transition just getting used to the college environment? I mean, it was definitely interesting just because, again, you try to – it's like anything you go into a new environment you try to take everything all in at once and it totally backfires in your face because you know your tennis doesn't improve you're struggling on in the classroom um but the, all, i mean it was it was great for all of us i remember i mean a lot of my you know we talk about it now is the dumb things we did first year that you know we wish we could not even do again but we just wish we could go back in time just to watch ourselves do that I mean, I remember we had a date function one time, and the theme was what you don't want to be. And I went dressed as a Virginia Hokie cheerleading outfit. And I'm just thinking, what, in what planet is that a good idea? And I, it was a winter. It was winter, too. It was freezing. And I'm wearing, like, a skirt. I'm sure Luca has a picture. Luca documents everything. I saw a photo of you guys as the Avengers, so that was something. Yeah, but you see how things progress as years go by. Like, you know, start out as a cheerleader, at least you finish as Batman. Like, things improve. (laughs) The curve goes up. Yeah, I mean... was not not good. No no kidding. It goes up so much that you end up interning at J.P. Morgan your junior year. And just in terms of, you know, 
being having life after tennis, what did it take to do an internship like that and make that decision to kind of step away from the game for a summer? Oh, it was super easy. You ever put the racket down for three months? Oh, I'm I mean, retired now. I mean, it's great. Um, I definitely put on a good 20 pounds of weight all in my face. Um, I worked, you know, 17 hour days, didn't really have a life, but I, at the same time, I really enjoyed it. I love New York city. If I could live in a city, if I had money, of course, uh, that would be New York as, uh, New York. I mean, everything about New York's great transportation, everything you can, you can get anywhere pretty quickly. There's a lot of people I know there just because Virginia East coast, everybody goes there. Um, but so I really enjoyed it. And it was, again, it was a transition. It was a learning curve. I mean, I, you think I ever opened Excel before that? No way. <laughs> you were me to do all this crazy stuff on Excel and I had no idea how to do it. So, but again, it, it helps me to see how other people live, how the working class actually works. My, uh, my fiance previously worked for JP Morgan in New York and talks about the uh, sushi happy hour deals. Did you partake in any of that? The only happy hour deal the interns were getting were like, uh, you know, 10 o'clock, maybe they'll call you a cab. I don't think we were allowed to do any sushi happy hour deals. Yeah, the weekends, they, 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 they were, so, they were so, such bullies to us. In the weekends, they would turn off the AC because they knew the interns would go in and it'd be like 150 degrees in the, in the building and you're dying in a suit. <laughs> Just getting you prepared for U.S. Open qualies. Exactly. I actually went that year to the U.S. Open I'm in a suit to watch matches. Uh, crazy how next year I'm actually playing it. Can't believe that, actually. <laughs> Definitely. But so I, I do want to ask you about your college career because obviously you are part of an incredible run at Virginia and – you know, Dalton knows this, but I have always enjoyed Virginia tennis. I just thought they're, you know, it's a fun school to watch. And again, the 2013 guys are my guys. And so, you know, I want to start with your freshman year because, you know, we mentioned this earlier, but you did come in with a highly heralded recruiting class and Virginia had just come off their first championship season. You know, what was it like fighting to get into the lineup and, you know, playing six singles in the NCAA semifinals and having that pressure put on you as a freshman? Um, again, you, it, it's really hard. You have, a, I mean, you have pressure from every everyone. You have pressure from your parents who obviously want the best for you and they want you to play. You have pressure from yourself to to want to, you know, be in that lineup. And then you have pressure from your teammates because, again, it's, it's a cutthroat environment. I mean, obviously, as the years go by, guys understand, but the first year is always the hardest, cause especially with the kind of class we had. Everybody wants to play. Everyone is good. I mean, we even had Richard that year. So it's it's hard to be around those guys and, and not play. Um, it definitely hurts the ego. So it was definitely hard, but I try to do everything possible to get in there. And with Brian, Brian is always going to give guys chances. Brian is not an unfair person. He will give you a chance. And, he, you know, he gave me a chance and I took it. And thankfully, you know, I didn't have to look back ever since. But, uh, again, it, it definitely was a little bit of a relief to be able to know that, okay, I finally, you know, solidified myself in a lineup that a lot of good players couldn't make. So was there a point in time, um, you know, in that spring season, your freshman year, uh, when Brian had that conversation with you, maybe going into ACCs, that you did, in fact, make the lineup and they were moving forward with you? Or was that just kind of, you know, they, that's how the lineup was and that's, that's kind of how they moved forward? Um, no, Brian would never do that. Even if you're playing one, I mean, Brian is the kind of guy that, um, he's going to play whoever he thinks is the best and has the ability to win on that 
given day. He's not really going to say, okay, you've won a lot, so you're going to play five for the rest of the season. Um, but I just felt like I was doing well. I mean, I, I remember I went into in the NCAA. I don't think I lost the match. So, again, you, you feel confident about your spot. But, I mean, I've, we've had matches where Brian literally were in the team huddle after doubles point, and he's like, actually, I'm pulling this guy, I'm putting this guy in, and that's just how it goes. So nothing's really given with Brian. You kind of just have to keep your head down and, and hope he calls your name. And, you know, you guys lose that your freshman year, your one, you know, non-NCAA title year. You guys lose that semifinal to USC. You know, the next three years, obviously, you go on to three-peat with NCAA titles. Did something change amongst the team? You know, t- again, Ty referenced that there was really a coming together in between freshman and sophomore year. And was it, you know, something at practices? Was it something Brian said? What allowed you guys to have that success? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Ty talked about it, so I don't want to go too long into it. But I think my first year, I mean, I, I would tell everyone, I think that's the best team we ever had, to be honest with you, just out of depth and just sheer talent. But again, we were all very individuals. Like, we, we didn't do team practice. We did everything on our own, pretty much. A lot of guys went futures. A lot of guys, you know, it wasn't really a team environment. And that was definitely something that hurt us, um, just because, you know, if you don't have that kind of team um, culture and that, that love between the guys, you're just not going to get it done at the end of the day. And that was something that, you know, Brian mentioned, and we really started working. I remember even from our second year, we was making us go on retreats with the guys. And, you know, he really made us make an effort to – get together and get along because obviously you know at first you're going to have issues with guys so kind of those things he he really implemented that he brought back the team practice and it just for me I think it made a huge difference because obviously you're going to try harder if you like the guy you're playing next to rather than if you're only worried about your match so for us it was like we were kind of dying for each other out there rather than doing it for ourselves Okay, you brought something up that I can't let pass. You think your freshman year uh, team may have been your best team. You know, Dalton, I'm sorry about this, but I just because I want to debate this, you know, what team wins in a dual match? Is it that first NCAA title team with Jameer, Damajan, and Mitchell Frank on top? Is it, you know, any of the teams from your four years? Is it the DeVarman team? You know, what team, if it's an NCAA tournament-style bracket, comes out on top? All right, well, this is the way I look at it. That first-year team, I mean, you had Mitchell Frank, who was playing really well. I mean, he was playing better than the year we won at Baylor. You had Ryan Shane, who was playing three and playing the same as he was the year he won it. You had Damajan, who's a great one. You had Ty at four. You had Justin Shane at five and me at six. I mean, it's a pretty good lineup. Um, the only hole we had is maybe, I don't even know if we had a hole. The issue with our doubles was non-existent. We had so many good doubles players that I I think this was the only area Brian may have messed up is he had too much talent on the doubles court. He didn't know who to play with who. And we went the whole year kind of flopping through doubles teams and nobody kind of had that consistency we had our next three years. So I think, I still think, I don't know, last year's team all around, I think wins, but just based off tennis ability, I think the first year team was, definitely better than than our last year. Okay, I I have a few counterpoints, so I'm ready to debate this if you are. Um, Go ahead. Okay, so why I think freshman team would not have won. You're right, the doubles point was a little shoddy. At the end, Ryan Shane was playing so well, you know, against USC. You had to play him with Mitchell at three. 
you know, I like the Damajan Harrison Richmond team. I thought that was a good two doubles team. And then, you know, whether it's Luca and Mac or Justin and Mac, you let it fly at one and see it happens and really, you know, keen in on that two and three. It's between that first year team with Jermir, Damajan and Mitchell Frank at one, two, three. Cause then, you know, Mac and Jermir won at one doubles that year as well. Or your junior year team. I mean, with Shane up top, you had, uh, I think you were playing four or five in the tournament. You know, Henrik at six. That's a nasty team. And you and Colin, you know, Luca and Ryan, uh, Mac and Ty. That's a really good team. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I, I agree. But I'm just telling you from the internal part, I think the last <laughs> year team internally, I think was the best all around. And that's just me telling you from looking at the locker room and being like, oh, are we going to win this year? Like, we went in our last year pretty confident because we knew we had done everything right, where there's been some years where we were like, man, I mean, how did we get through this one? Yeah, I mean, the year that comes to mind is obviously sophomore year, right? That's your year where you're playing, you know, uh, five singles and or you're playing six singles and three doubles. You guys play Baylor at Baylor in the NCAA semifinals, play the number one team, Oklahoma, in the finals. Uh, just talk us through, you know, what is that first title like? Was it the sweetest? I don't know. The thing is, it was such a, I mean, for me, it was such a blur because it, I didn't think we were getting through that semi. I honestly thought the semifinals match was way harder than the finals. I mean, Baylor at Baylor with the team they had, I mean, they were, I mean, one of the guys looked like he was Henry's dad. It, it's just, it's <laughs> tough when you're playing. I mean, their team was scary that year. Like, you had, whatever, Von Schneider, whatever that guy is playing him against, uh, playing him in doubles. Like, I mean, it's like scary. And, you know, they were playing at home. They had beaten us twice that year. I really didn't think we were going to win that one. And it was just one of those days where before the match, we're like, all right, we're probably going to lose at six. We're probably going to lose that uh, one. And we're probably going to lose here. And the exact opposite happened. Like we were like, all right, we're definitely losing these. And we ended up winning and we lost the ones we thought we were going to win. And, you know, we're lucky to get through that. And then I think we just, we felt so good after beating such a good team at home that the Oklahoma match, obviously it was hard, but we felt a lot more confident. So, I mean, it was definitely, I don't know. The last one for me was pretty special just because I got to clinch it. And then, you know, winning the indoor ACC NCA for me was a pretty cool experience just because I had never won an indoor title. So that one really hit home for me. And then, it just enjoying the moment a little more because the first year you kind of let things go by quickly and you focus on the next year rather than your last one. You're like, well, this is it. So you got to kind of enjoy it a lot more. So that one for me was definitely the most important. You, you talked about, you know, the dynasty beginning your sophomore season as a team, uh, but you individually had an incredible year too. You posted a 24 and four singles record. Um, I think you eventually get ACC tournament MVP and then, you know, NCAA all tournament team was what happened there uh, from a confidence standpoint, were you just, you know, a lot more comfortable at that point in your second year at UVA or what really clicked for you personally? Um, I don't know if anything really clicked. I, I, it definitely helped that I started doing better in the classroom. I think it, there was a correlation with, you know, working hard outside of the classroom and, you know, working hard at tennis, it's not like you can kind of choose one. I think people that are like, oh, I'm just going to focus on tennis and, um, you know, barely scrape by, I don't think that helps them. I think knowing that, you know, you're working hard just in general as a student athlete definitely helps your confidence. Rather than players that are struggling in the classroom, they're going to bring that on the court with them. So I definitely think that had a huge impact on my game, just 
as just he gave me more confidence as a person. So that definitely helped. But then again, like as the years went by, it definitely I think I think it gets harder if you think about it because you know everyone kind of started expecting a lot out of me, especially at five and six. Like I don't think you guys understand how much pressure those spots are because four, five, six are probably the most important spots in a college lineup, as you guys would know. And you know it's tough when you're in the in the bus and everyone's just like, "Yep, well we're gonna win at five today." And I'm like, "Like I haven't even played the match yet." Um, so it, it definitely gets for me. It got harder just because you know people expect so much from you rather than at one where everyone knows you could be playing Liberty and they're gonna have a good one and you never know. So it, it was it was tough. It was an uphill climb for sure. You know, I would be remiss if I forgot to mention a team in my honorable mention of all-time Virginia teams, the Mike Shabazz, Damajan Sanum team. They, they'd be the dark horse in the event. Sorry, just since it came up, I, I just want to mention them as well. So shout out to them. Um, uh, you talk about clinching matches your senior year, and you obviously clinched the ITA National Indoors. You clinched the ACC Tournament. I think you clinched Virginia and Texas in the round of 16 and quarterfinals, as well as that you know UNC match in the final. And if I'm not mistaken, you did a little celebration during the NCAA Tournament where you kind of waggled your arms like Donkey Kong. Uh, I'm just curious, what's, that, you know, what's the thinking behind the celebration? So ACC's final match, uh, I was playing Seraphin, and I it was windy. I could not return a serve once. And I think it was, I don't know, I think I was, what what was I? I don't know, three all in the third set or something. Down 40-15, I hold somehow. And DT was like, all right, we're going to try something else. I want you to stand a foot inside the baseline for his, for his serves. So I did that, lose that love, obviously. He's like, all right, well, we tank that game. Next game, I want you to literally go to the fence and act like a like a goalie. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, if we're going goalie, we're going full goalie. And I was like doing the dives side to side as I'm, you know, about to return. And the guy threw in like three double faults and missed the first serve and I got the break. And I don't know what, but nobody really realized what was going on there, but I was actually diving before he was about to serve, acting like I was, you know, going to go catch a soccer ball. So that was a great kind of, uh, moment because I've never seen that done before and I thought that was pretty cool and then the Ohio State I'm just not a huge fan of Ohio State so when I won that match I acted like I was walking to the net and then my were anchored to the floor because they were so heavy so I had to step back and I picked them up picked them up and uh walked my way to the net very slowly (laughs) oh west off leave it in what was it like clinching? I have to ask because it's not every day you get to clinch a national title, yet here you are clinching to your senior year. Man, it's tough to clinch, but I don't know. That that helps a lot because next next thing you know, like there's never going to be more pressure. Like I don't think I've ever felt more pressure than I have clinching that. Even when I play the U.S. Open and I play any match, I mean, especially when you have the amount of people there yelling at you and wanting you to, you know, fail, and then the other half wanting you to succeed. It just, it, it's that crazy that I don't even think you can compare. I've never played Davis Cup, but um, I still think college tennis comes out on top. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much pro college tennis. Uh, I do want to talk about your pro career because obviously you've had some success. You know, we've gone this far and we didn't even mention your qualifying run to the U.S. Open uh, last fall. 
Uh, you know, you mentioned in a New York Times interview and shameless plug, but this guy's been interviewed by the New York Times. Pretty cool. Um, and just so, you know, talk us through what that means to get your pro career started with a result like that. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it, for me it was huge just because the whole going through the process of not really knowing I was in, getting the last person in really because Marcos was the last guy in who used the cut and then using his getting his walk card. Um, and then having to play the next day when they tell you, you know, whatever it was, Monday at 5 o'clock that you're in and having to play, I played like first on or second uh, Tuesday at 10 a.m. So, it, you know, it, it was really something special for sure because I, you know, I was just kind of having fun. And it definitely, definitely, um, you know, helped my game and I was loose and I really liked those courts. It was hot and they were playing fast and bouncy. So it definitely helped me in just being able to get through those. I mean, I played three three set matches. I was pretty, you know, at the time, I mean, um, I had a broken rib, which I kept playing with. And then it finally just gave out in my first round match. But that was a really, really tough week just for me to get through. And it definitely helped kickstart my tennis, not only financially, but just giving me the confidence to know that I kind of deserve to be out there because it's tough playing five singles where, you know, not many five singles guys go and play pro to then having to like believe that you actually deserve to be in the professional ranks. And I think in that going off and piggybacking on that comment in your interview with the New York times, you said that you were planning on playing and kind of, you know, feeling out the pro tour for a year. Have your plans changed since then with your success on tour? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm all bought in. I, I, loved every second of it i think i mean i don't i don't regret turning pro at all i i've really enjoyed it um i've gotten to meet some really cool people uh travel some awesome places so i i see myself giving it a go how long i don't know um again you have to deal with injuries there's a lot of kind of uncertainties with tennis but um at the moment i'm happy where i am i'm gonna keep plugging away how did college tennis prepare you for the pro tour? You know, did you feel good going into the U S open or was it a complete jump? No college tennis. Like I said, there's no more, there's no, like no other tournament can be, can have as much pressure as college tennis. I mean, it has helped me, you know, so much in the no ad playing big points. I mean, if you look at my, I think I've played in my professional career in the last eight months, I've played like 12 or 13, seven, six in the third matches. And I've gone like 11 and two. So, you know, college tennis definitely has helped me win at least 70% of those matches because I deal with the pressure that much better than I would if I didn't go to college. I mean, let alone the whole maturity that comes from going to college in general that I think everyone should do. But um, I I learned a, a ton from just being on a team and competing with the guys and stuff like that. You know, since you mentioned no ad, I'll sneak this question in before, you know, Dalton gets mad at me, but would you be a fan of the pro tour switching to no ad scoring? I mean, I think, I think it has a little bit of luck to it. I know, I know Brian will argue with you or with me and say that it, it doesn't, but I do think um, you would, I mean, I think it would make matches longer actually, because you would see a lot more three set matches just because, you know, sometimes guys get pick up a lucky break here and there and, um, so I actually, I don't think it makes it that much shorter in my opinion. So I'm not a fan of it. 
No, interesting. I like the unpredictable, you know, nature of no ad scoring. I think, you know, I'm a little, or I mentioned, you know, shameless plug for a great shot podcast topic, but I mentioned having Federer fatigue. You know, I'm sick of seeing him win all these majors. I'd like to see someone new break through. And, you know, if no ad scoring propelled one of these young players to a miscellaneous slam title, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. No, I, could, I mean, I I could see that happening very, very much so with the no ad. But I'm just not a fan of it. I just, it gives the guys who have big serves that much more of an advantage. No, totally fair. Totally fair. It's much more difficult to play. I want to do one question off of the tennis court and out of the tennis realm. Heard you're a big Lakers and want to hear your thoughts about LeVar Ball and all of the shenanigans there this season. He sucks. <laughs> what, what is there to say? He put up like six points last week or something. He's not a good player. Well, what about his dad? <laughs> I'm not what even that his big. Dad? Oh, his dad is, dad is. Hey, I mean, I'll give it to the guy. He believes in himself. I'm I'm always rooting for guys who who have that much confidence in themselves because, you know, he is doing well in life. So, I mean, I don't like him. I don't agree with his viewpoints, but he does. You know, I mean, he he does have success, and his son has success. So, he's doing something right. So you're saying that you rock the big baller gear? Then is that what you're saying? No, I I <laughs> do not. I, I'm, I Luke. I tried buying basketball shoes once, and I just you can't you can't see me at anything basketball. Like a short little white guy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, just I'm going to quickly disagree. I like Lonzo's contributions. I think he spaces the floor well. I think he moves the ball well. So, regardless of the other situation, you know, we can have that conversation another time. I do want you to give uh, to give you a chance to give one more shameless plug. Uh, I know you've been doing work with the JD, JDRF. You know, that's something that's been fighting and recognizing type one diabetes and how you can be treated and still go on to like you have a professional athletic career. Uh, what's that work meant to you and just sharing your experiences with other people? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I, I love trying to help wherever I can. I actually just um, signed a contract with Dexcom. So I'm one of their Dexcom warriors, which is another diabetes corporation. Um, so I try to help as much as I can. Um, it, it does backfire on me because now every time I go to a JDRF event, I donate a tennis lesson. So I probably have like 10 people calling me from different states that they want a tennis lesson. And I just can't, <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell them. Like, hey, can you be in New York next week? I'm like, I, I just can't. Like, I got to know what you want from me. So um, I, sometimes I help a little too much, I guess. Uh, but no, I, I really enjoy it. And it's definitely, um, so, you know, if I can use my tennis to, to help others, it's, I mean, for me, that's great. You don't know how many calls I've gotten from, you know, kids or even adults that they are scared to play tennis because they don't know how to handle their diabetes or they just feel, um, they just don't feel normal. So, you know, I'm a pretty positive guy, but I understand that a lot of people aren't. So if I can use my kind of positive attitude and stuff to, to change their mentality and just help them through, for me, that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's, that's a great outlook, great attitude, and really cool that you're involved with that. Um, so shout out to the foundation. Go check that out. Um, but we will move on to a fan favorite here at Cracked Rackets. Uh, it's the rapid fire segment, JC. Uh, we'll ask you eight to ten questions in rapid succession, and you will provide a one-word answer here. So you ready to rock? Sure, go for it. <laughs> All righty. Uh, favorite tennis player? Roger Federer. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh, Harry Potter for sure. 
So you said Harry Potter. Which house would you be in from Harry Potter? I'd be Gryffindor. Me and Harry be boys. <laughs> you see a that- Gryffindor. Get out of here. <laughs> so best ping pong player on UVA's team when you were there? Luca. Easy. He'll put favorite- you to death. <laughs> favorite drink on court? Uh, Biosteel. Can't have Gatorade, so. Favorite meal off the court? Sushi. Favorite video game? Call of Duty or Halo. Um, if you were to take away any stroke from the game, which would it be? Slice. Favorite song or artist right now? I love Drake. Favorite city <laughs> in the world? New York. Favorite athlete non-tennis related? I got to go with the Steph. Lonzo Ball. LeVar Ball. Uh, Favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? The smell, obviously. Bingo. Awesome. I have to sneak in, I'm sorry, a Virginia rapid fire because, you know, we love college tennis so much at Crack Rackets and so much of the joy for you college players happens behind the scenes. So, you know, I want to take a behind the scenes look at the Virginia tennis team. So just, you know, we'll, I'll try and go as fast as possible. But who is the cheapest member of the Virginia tennis team? Ash. <laughs> I think Ty said the same thing. So that's pretty funny. Ash or Henry for sure. <laughs> Who's the funniest? Uh, Richie does some pretty crazy things. <laughs> best to get dinner with? I don't know. They're all good. <laughs> all right. But here's what about the best to go out with? Ash is pretty funny. He loves car bombs too. Uh, (laughs) I like it. Well, two more. And so, you know, you play a lot with these guys in practice. And so I have to know who's the biggest hook. Luca, but he doesn't mean to. He just can't see. (laughs) 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 Is he ever hooking in a match or is it all accidental? Oh, we've all hooked in college matches, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm sure the Baylor match was a fun one. But okay, my last one. You know, you and Colin played together for three years, which happens to be the same amount of time I played with my doubles partner. And I know continuity is very important to doubles. So my question to you is, by your senior year, should you and Colin have been playing higher in the lineup than three? Where are you going to put it? <laughs> Two or one. Why not? Keep the teams the same. Where you guys, could you take... <laughs> these top teams, you know, Carl and Luca. It doesn't matter because at two and three, we're getting the win every time. So who cares? <laughs> oh, I like that answer. It's all about the wins at the end of the day. Uh, well, JC, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Appreciate it. No, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. And enjoy Miami down there. And best of luck the rest of the 2018 season. For sure. And when Brian right. Boland and I do our Virginia debate, you should moderate. Oh, I'll definitely moderate because that'd be a great podcast. Give me credit <laughs> if you ever do that one. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Will do, man. JC, take care. Yeah, take it easy, All man. Right, Thanks for doing this. Max, we know all tennis fans love the thrill of a Grand Slam event. You know, there's something to those huge crowds going crazy for their favorite players. But 
there's something to be said about the intimacy of a small crowd. You know, what comes to mind for me is college tennis or the challenger levels where the crowd may not be as big, but you know, everyone's rooting together. You feel very involved with your fellow crowd members. And I'm just wondering, are there events where ATP players are playing in a much more intimate atmosphere? Alex, you couldn't have asked a better question because there is. This August 19th through 22nd, we've got the Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic hosted at beautiful Vermont's Green Mountains, Spruce Peak Stadium. Let me tell you, Alex, this place is gorgeous. You know, I think you sent me the website for this and it really is gorgeous. It's in like a valley like with beautiful mountains and trees surrounding it. Oh, absolutely. The stadium court is one to impress. And let me tell you, there's some great names that have come to this tournament in the past. Last year, naming a few. We had Jared Donaldson, young gun Francis Tiafo, who's been on a run this year. Maybe he drives his Porsche from the Delray title to this event. I'm just wondering, would I have a chance to see it? Well, that would be a sight to see. And you might because there's a players party before the tournament starts that saturday night the fans will have a chance to interact with all of the players before the tournament starts you've made a solid case maxi and like you mentioned this event starts august 19th ends august 22nd it sounds like the event for tennis fans it really doesn't get much better than this where can i go get my tickets www.stowtennis.com One more time, please. I have hard of hearing. That's a www.stowetennis.com www.stowtennis.com That's it, Alex. So www.stowtennis.com Let me hear it one more time. www.stowtennis.com Get your tickets today, and we'll see you in August. Dots are also periods. Thanks for listening to Gruskin and I's conversation with J.C. Saragone, three-time national champion. Uh, J.C. had an incredible college career at UVA, as you just heard. Exciting that he just won his first pro title at the Calabasas 25K. Definitely first of many for him, so big shout-out and best of luck the rest of the 2018 season. I have to give a major props to the magician himself, Daniel Westoff, our super producer. You definitely would not want to hear this footage raw, let me tell you. So big shout out to Westoff. We also have a few uh, big interviews on the horizon the next few weeks. Tim Smichek, Dennis Kudla, Mikhail Torpegard, Torp from Ohio State, and more. So stay tuned there. Please take five seconds to support the podcast by subscribing to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as the Great Shot Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Only five stars as always. We're also now on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out there. And as always, go tell your tennis friend who's a tennis fanatic. You know who we're talking about. About Cracked Rackets and the podcast. You know what's going on there. Uh, but for one, Alex Gruskin, Daniel Westoff, I'm Dalton Thieneman, and we will see you next time, Crack fans.